Wolfpack, thanks so much for tuning into the Fantasy Fullback Dive today. Before we pave your path to 2020 fantasy titles, a quick announcement. We're looking to add new lead blockers to crush it with this summer. Writers, video, dev, marketing, finger massagers. If you're passionate about fantasy and you want to join this young, energetic startup with a limitless DK Metcalf ceiling, slide on into the Wolf's DMs on Twitter at RotoStreetWolf or hit us up at RotoStreetJournal on Facebook or Instagram and learn more details. Also, for show notes and bonus goodies for today and every episode, visit FF. BDPod.com. All right, chin straps on, let's go. Fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final The fantasy fullback dive is thrilled to welcome on for the first time now Howard Bender at Roto Buzz Guy on Twitter. He's the VP of Operations over at Fantasy Alarm and the host of Fantasy Alarm Show on the SiriusXM Fantasy every Monday through Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, which also won the 2017 Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association's Award for Show of the Year. So my man, Howard, is a true wolf. Thanks so much for joining. How are you doing, my man? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing real well, man. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, man. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, we finally meet. We can continue to be connected uh, by one of our uh, Twitter followers, so it's good Absolutely. to finally, you know, get the face-to-face here. I love him, and he's probably listening right now, Scotty Brooks. You brought this one together, my man. You always shout us out, uh, likely because we both just love, me and Howard, we love interacting with the fans, and, and Scott's an awesome guy. He brought us together, and I'm thrilled to do this now, man, so totally. So, Scott, if you're listening, shout out to you, man. Thanks for helping make this happen. Uh, and today, our future topic, what we're brought together for is sleepers. It's a, a word that often gets tossed around the fantasy community, uh, guys that are essentially just underpriced or overlooked based on the actual fantasy upside that they have. And it's crucial to have that kind of list, especially for the later rounds of drafts. So we're previewing them now, getting that list together early here. And make sure you check out Howard's full list of sleepers. We're not going to give them all to you here, uh, but the Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide, 50% off right now, an awesome deal. I bought my copy already uh, to to preview his content, and it's fantastic so far, and so much more is on the way. I think it's an absolute steal. Is there anything you want to promote? about your guide Howard I absolutely love it so far well you know it's kind of funny we're talking about that sleepers article which was written probably you know right before the the release which was early June it's a living draft guide so there's content rolling out steadily and I already have you know more favorites and different favorites and you know going through as many best ball drafts as I'm doing right now uh, the the list is ever changing, and that's the beauty of the living draft guide: is that the content will always be fresh and updated. And if I yeah. pick somebody else who I think is a well, quote unquote sleeper, but somebody who uh, probably isn't getting the love that they should be getting, I'll uh, I'll be adding them to the list. Absolutely. And that's the best part. As you said, living guide. It's the day and age we live in. I mean, I used to love bringing a magazine to the beach and everything, but those are going to be so outdated by the time you're actually drafting. So I totally agree. That's the way to look is those living, breathing guides. So fully with you. Actually, just before we hopped on, you were completing a best ball draft, right? Yeah, it was unbelievable too. How'd it turn out? Let's hear it. <laughs> I don't know how they let me draft this team. It's it's uh, it's it's kind of shocking. Wait, I got to I'll, I'll pull up the draft board. I took a snapshot of it and I, I threw it down on Twitter because I was like, really? How did I end up with this? So I picked from the six hole. And, you know, I got to be honest with you. I wasn't thrilled with the, the six spot. But, I mean, it is a 10-teamer. So you always have to take that with yeah. a, a certain grain of salt. Um, but, I mean, Dalvin Cook falls to me at, at six. Beauty. N- Nick Chubb, George Kittle. Ooh. And I took OBJ and Mike Evans. Then I took DK Evans round Metcalf. five? What? <laughs> Wait, Met- and Metcalf? So you had those yeah. running backs and Kittle and then those receivers. What the? Yeah, that's what Jeez. I'm saying, right? Keep going, keep going. You're just already getting I'm me like, excited are, here. Are they throwing this to me? Uh, <laughs> Ronald Jones, J.K. Dobbins. 
Do- Dobbins in the eighth. I'm like, really? If he's just sitting here, I'm like the the Ravens now. I'm like, well, if he's just sitting here, I might as well do that. Exactly. Um, Hunter Henry, who uh, we'll talk we'll talk later in the show. I'm I'm a fan. Yes, I'm a big fan. Absolutely. Uh, Marvin Jones, Josh Allen, AJ Dillon, Baker Mayfield, Brashad Perriman, Nikhil Harry, Ceedee Lamb. After all those other guys, I would have put him like four <laughs> rounds in like before. Ceedee Lamb in the sixteenth round. Come Good on. lord! Oh man, stealing right there. Absolute stealing. Great team. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Ridiculous. Then defenses and kickers for the final four picks. I'm just like, oh, okay, guys. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> Great start to the uh, the best ball season right there, man. That's a fantastic team. Absolutely. So already you got a preview of what Howard can do. That's a uh, just a dominant lineup. I don't know who else was going when, but that was insane. So that's fantastic. So before we dig into some of those sleepers, and you probably already gave a few names away based on that draft there, but before we get into those, I always like to just kind of pick the wolves as we get them on here, their brain to kind of learn their tendencies, their tools, their tips for just an overall kind of philosophical, strategical outlook. So before we get into all that too, What's kind of been your path? I know you've been doing this for a while now. How did you get into the industry? When did you get involved? And do you have any advice for people also looking to get involved like myself? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's um, it's it's a grind. It's it's so different. The, the business is so different from when I, I really first started. I mean, from when I first started, I mean, I guess it was uh, it was in the late '90s where I, you know, I was, you know, the internet was blowing everything up, and and I was reading all these articles and. I was like, man, you know, at some point, I, I feel like I could do this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's that standard mentality. You know, it's like when the DFS boom happened and anybody who made 10 bucks playing DFS, they were like, I'm an analyst. I should be <laughs> writing right now. I should be doing this. So, you know, I just I, I kind of took my shot. You know, I started a blog on my own. And, you know, at that point back then, there were no pod, you know, there wasn't podcasts or you know, I mean, even Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio wasn't around. So it was all written, the magazines, the the, the websites. Um, and I, so I just, I started a blog. I just kept writing and I wrote every single day. I mean, that was just, that was it. And yeah. I didn't know if 10 people were reading it or, or two people were reading it. I was just like, I'm just going to keep doing this so I can kind of get in the flow. And then I started, I guess it was like right after, uh, I don't even remember. It was probably uh, like early 2000s when I just I started sending in my you know my my links to other managing editors and try to get involved that way uh just show them you know what I wanted to show them the most and one of the reasons why I wrote every single day without giving a crap is you know Google ads or anybody paying me was because I really wanted people to you know see the fact that I was dedicated yeah that's what that's what bosses are looking for they're looking for dedication People who are going to, you know, get the work. It's not just about great content, but it's being responsible. It's getting your work in on time. It's hitting deadlines when you need to hit them. And and I thought that by making sure that I just kept at it every single day. And there were some days where I wrote like three sentences. There were, you know, there were some days where I like, you know, I wrote 30 pages. So, I mean, it it just kind of went that way and sent uh, my stuff. And uh, the next thing I know, I got hired by the original Fanball. This is like the second incantation of Fanball we're dealing with now. I got hired by them. And then from there, it went to Fangraphs. And then Rotowire picked me up. And uh, and it just kind of boomed from there. I mean, it really, you know, I was doing guest spots on, uh, you know, the channel Series XM Fan Sports Radio just uh, doing their uh, 10-year anniversary. I've been on the Incredible. channel for like, like six and a half, almost seven years. But, you know, for the first couple of years, it was strictly as like every Wednesday morning, Rotowire. Uh, you know, I was covering for them. I was doing covering the Royals. I was covering the 49ers. Uh, I picked up a couple other teams along the way just as their, you know, their local local beat writer, so to yeah. speak. So, you know, and I, and I did that. I mean, for people who are just starting off today, I mean, it's it's really – you know, listen, I, I get the whole, you know, nobody wants an unpaid internship. And if somebody's making money off of your work, you should be getting compensated. I agree with that. But what I think a lot of people fail to realize is that this is this market is so super saturated right yeah. now. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody wants to be on the radio. Everybody wants to be writing. Everybody like all of that stuff. 
and we get it but i mean you know we can only hire so much there's only so much money that can just go straight yeah. up to just content um you know and and I, I i feel bad about that in a sense because you know obviously i think that a lot of guys and this is what i love about the fantasy alarm team uh is i mean it's grinders it's grinders who yeah. understand who are looking at the at the long run they see what we're building at fantasy alarm and they're showing the dedication uh, to make that happen, and as that's happening, they're paying them more and more uh, with that. I mean, so it's more than just you know competitive. But if you're just starting out, you have to understand that right. you know companies just aren't going to just pick you up for that. You have to you know find. It's almost like going to the minor leagues. You have to find sites like uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits that Justin Mason runs, uh, yeah. where it's it's revenue sharing. You know, he says you'll get paid. You know, based on the traffic for your work so you have to promote your own work you have to do and and that's uh you know and i end up you know if i need somebody if i'm like oh dude i need a hockey writer justin you got anybody who writes hockey he's like oh yeah absolutely take take this guy yeah. and uh and, and we work it that way so that way they do start getting paid uh and start getting their name out so i mean just show whoever it is that you're dedicated that you're willing to really put in the time and necessary i mean it's it's sports so it's 24 hours a day seven days a week you really have to deal like that. You have to expect that. Uh, you know, you got to suck it up and work the weekends. You got to suck it up and, yeah. you know, miss certain things. If, you know, it's like, oh, what? I've got an opportunity to be on the radio on Sunday. Hell yeah. No, sorry, hon. I can't go to the movies. Can't do this. Not going to your, your, your baby cousin's sister's house so that we can, <laughs> you know, sit there and hang out and watch the game. I have work to do now. And yeah. you just ha you have to be able to make those personal sacrifices uh, if the if you want this to be your full time gig, absolutely. I mean, so many invaluable nuggets of information there. One, just staying consistent. A any writer, whether it's fantasy, whether it's any sports, whether it's just writing a screenplay, they all say if you can carve out some time that you just dedicate every single day, it's crucial. You got to work out the kinks. Some days it's going to be like you said, thirty pages, and someday you might just get three sentences. But staying committed to you know whatever time it is a day to get it out i love that and also just being willing to grind and prove your worth like it's such a saturated market so i totally see it all invaluable tips for anybody out there trying to get started so thank you howard for for sharing your insight there what about in terms of your your process like every single season do you have any type of routines or traditions or best practices that you kind of follow where you begin a new season every year um well, let's considering football season is, uh, you know, because we've already drafted baseball. There's no hope for that nightmare. But I mean, <laughs> if you're talking about football, I mean, study the coaching movement first and foremost. Like that's yep. exactly that's what I do immediately. If a team's changing a head coach or coordinator, um, you need to identify what system they're going to be implementing and then which players who are on that team excel and, and don't excel in that system and then i go to like the player movement the free agency yeah. and again i identify what they what their performance is like in that system in that place you know it's like not everybody's tom brady who's got that clout where the head coach would be like well let me just adjust everything to you know kind of yeah. kind of do that guys go to another team you know the coach is like listen this is the system we have it's that that situation with cam newton right now uh, I'm arguing with Jim Bowden back and forth. I'm like, Belichick is not going to change his system to be more suitable for Cam Newton. I'm like, Jacoby Brissett was a mobile guy uh, who picked up that Patriots offense. And when, you know, Brady was out, Brissett was, you know, she, he was there. Um, I mean, if Matt Castle can do it, come on. I mean, it's insane. So I'm like, there's no way that's going to happen. So free agent movement and what system they're going into I mean, that's that's really that's that's my starting point for the process. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's such a wave, right? Yeah, you go coaching, then you go free agency, then the draft comes and then then it's finally training camp and we can kind of start to see these values play out. That will be it Cam Newton, by the way. It will be interesting to see like how he molds because when Brissett took over, it did become a little bit of a more run heavy like option style. Are they going to mold to him or is Belichick going to try to force him into that system? Interesting. How, how do you think that will all play out there? Is he going to be the starter? I, I know it's not on the script here, but do you but think I Cam Newton works know. out there in New England? I don't know. See, here's the thing. Like, I mean, Belichick will make certain adjustments, but he's not going right. to overhaul the system. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, people are expecting, you know, James White to, you know, pop off and Nikhil Harry is suddenly, you know, 
showing up on everybody's radar. I'm like, you know, I'm not 100% sure about this. I really not because, you know, one of the reasons that Cam didn't get signed was because nobody's had a chance to really, you know, come, you know, let them, you know, look at the medicals, look at the, the physical and, you know, have them come in and do that because of, you know, obviously COVID. So, you know, it's been really tough for him. I mean, he signed for pennies. He signed for half, half a million is guaranteed. That's it. It can go up to seven and a half million with incentives. So, you know, I, I think that this is, this is a, it's a nice safety move for the Patriots. If, Jared Stidham really doesn't have what Belichick wants in a QB. He's easily going to go to Cam, or he can go to Cam. Consider it like an open competition, I think. But yeah. you know, I mean, it's very—it was very low risk for the Patriots to to sign Cam Newton. So um, I, I think, listen, I think it, it, I think it works. I really do. Yeah. If Cam is healthy, I think it works. If Cam is healthy and starts all sixteen games. I like Julian Edelman. I like James White. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of it, Mohamed Sanu, uh, you know, all of a sudden he starts popping up on radar maybe. Um, but, you know, listen, I'm not, like, flipped out about it. I, I still, yeah. you know, I still took the the Bills at plus 140 to uh, to win the division. Interesting, all, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. I'm a diehard Pats fan, so we'll we'll see how. Oh that no! All are I you? know. I know. I Don't hang up on agreed. me. Don't hang I up did. on me. <laughs> I never would have agreed to this show had I known that. Come on! I know. I know. Oh, well, at least it's some intrigue here, whereas it was just looking like a, a let's see what we have instead, and we'll see what Cam brings. He's certainly hungry. He's posting all the what, hype. What do videos. you think of that situation? Like, I mean, do yeah. you think Cam starts? I, I think he does as long as he's healthy. As you know, we, we have to wait and see as long as he tests out. But, I mean, we had uh, you know Ryan Hannibal from WI Boston Sports Radio, and he was saying, you know, one-year deal almost is the, the ideal situation because they can run the tires off him. It's almost like a running back in that sense where you got a like girly in a contract year and you don't worry about overworking him. Like, if they want to run him all the time, who cares? He's not going to be back next year, most likely. So I, I'm very intrigued to see what they do with him. I, I do think there might be a little bit of molding to him. And if he's fired up, he's a hard worker, he's a grinder in that sense, then a motivated Cam, a motivated Belichick, there's a little. There's certainly a little more hope here. Like, before it was the Bills, it's over. You know, there's no way we're beating this team this year. Now they have Diggs and Allen takes the next step. But now I think there's some shot. I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited about it from the and, New England and look, perspective. If he, <laughs> if he does do well and another team signs him, then you get that draft pick back that you Fix just lost for uh, illegally yep. filming. Exactly. They're always playing one move <laughs> ahead, my man. Exactly. Right? Is Belichick exactly. not the, the, the craziest, evil, genius son of a bitch <laughs> in the world? I mean, the it's most. like you know that that popped into his head while he was doing it. He's like, screw it, man. If he's going to sign for, you know, guaranteed only a half million for an incentive-laden deal, well, let's do it. I mean, I think Absolutely. that's what I was like, lose? which was the chicken or the egg? Was it sign Cam, then you lost your pick? Or was it lost your pick being like, Let's sign Cam. <laughs> right, exactly. Always thinking 10 steps ahead. That's what makes him the GOAT coach. I, I, yes, it, it, I'm excited. I'm very excited here. Um, in terms of when you rank players, you, you, you create their value. There's so many different factors that go into it. And I love that you already cited coaching is one of those. Obviously, the player's talent is one of those. Usage, their surroundings, the team around them. If you were kind of like weighing it all out, like where do you kind of put the most stock in to creating a fantasy formula in a way? Oh, okay. So for me, it's it's system and scheme first, uh, opportunity second, mm-hmm. and then talent. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. You know, you, you you hear all these guys who talk about, oh, this dude was a beast in college. This dude was amazing. You know, during during school, uh, and then they come to the NFL and the game moves a million times quicker than it does in college. You're not sitting there with the best players in the, you know, in the conference on your team. You know, it's like when you see college coaches fail at the NFL level. It's like, oh, well, now you don't get to recruit the best kids in school, you know, in the country here, right? So it's it changes things up. And so I think that, you know, yes, there are guys who have tremendous talent, but it always takes them a little longer the younger they are, it takes them a little longer to just kind of get used to what's going on the you know in the NFL. So I mean, listen, if there's a generational talent that's like you know mind blowing, where you knew Ezekiel Elliott was going to be 
a superstar in the NFL, no matter what, then, you know, then that's one thing. But, you know, for me, again, it's it's I look at, at the, the coaching system, who the coaches are, uh, what they're implementing. Do they have the right personnel for that? And then who is that personnel? So that's that's usually how I uh, how I deal with it. Absolutely. Scheme dictates usage, dictates how that talent's used. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, if the players, no matter how good they are, if they're not in the field, what does it matter? So a- absolutely there. Uh, I don't know if you, you know, how much you pay attention to the noise on Twitter, but there seems to always be this type of like advanced <laughs> analytics versus film type of debate. Do you kind of, in terms of your preparation, do you pay more attention to stats? Do you kind of pay more attention to the tape? Uh, do you mix them? You know, how do you kind of view all that? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, for me, like year to year stat, like year to year numbers are are tough to really use to analyze a player. Like, I mean, I'll use things like air yard, a dot. I'll look at yak yards after the catch. All you know, all that stuff yeah. there. Um, I'm, you know, that's the, the, the kind of stuff that looks like it will carry over from year to year, you know, average depth of target for a wide receiver on the team he's playing, you know, that's, you know, it, it's tough to find, you know, a huge, huge sample size at times, but I mean, I do look at some, at, at those numbers, I, you know, for me, it's all about watching games. Yeah. It's all about watching. There's even, there's a strategy article in, uh, in the draft guide, uh, that just says, you know, watch every game, you know, or just watch, you know, as opposed to box score surfing, because when you yeah. look at box scores, it doesn't really tell the full story of what's going on. You know, so if you're watching all the games, then boom, then you see what happens. You know, did this guy how many tackles did this guy legit break or, you know, oh, my God, everybody's talking about how fast this dude is carrying, you know, carrying the ball. Well, of course he's fast. There's nobody else around him. He's not, you know, eluding tackles or anything like that. So, you know, you have to watch and see what's going on. So, you know, some some stats that go from like year to year, um, you know, if the player stays with the same team, it's the same coaching system. Uh, it makes it just easier for you on that front. But for me, it's really it's more about watching the games than it is like looking at data. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm the same boat. I, I love, I mean, the reason I'm doing this is because I love to watch football. So if there's stats that illuminate what I'm seeing, great. I, I love to mold them and marry them, but it, it first has to pass the eyeball test for a guy to be on my radar, for a guy for me to to want to draft him. What about, you know, any tools? Is there, obviously, within your own Fantasy Alarm draft guide, anything you'd like to, you know, pump that is a great tool? And again, everything I've checked out so far seems awesome, both with that and then any other kind of sites. Is there anything that you go to as, like, a game changer you regularly utilize? Um, I don't really necessarily know if there are things that are game changers. I do look at a lot of consistency reports. We have consistency yeah. reports over at Fantasy Alarm. Because, you know, listen, I, you can draft for upside all you want, but, you know, sometimes you need some of those, you know, 10 to 13 point grinders who you know you're going to get that from them week in, week out. You know, it's like you look at Tyreek Hill's numbers last year. I mean, look at how many times, you know, he, he like caught multiple touchdowns or had a really huge game and then put up like a couple of around it. So, you know, if you're getting those guys, if you're getting a, a guy like Tyreek Hill who can be absolutely explosive, then you need to have behind him, you know, as your depth, you need some of that consistency. So consistency reports, definitely something um, I, I look at. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, for, mostly for like tools itself, I mean, because, you know, in like setting up a seasonal fantasy, ba- you know, fantasy football lineup, I'm just I'm studying the matchups. I'm looking at what's going on. Uh, you know, all the tools that we have over at Fantasy Alarm, I, you know, like in season wise, I use for DFS points yeah. allowed versus position. Um, you know, I mean, I, I could sit here and tout our lineup generator, which is just, you know, the, the new incantation is stupid how good it is. I was like blown away by it. And I'm not, you know, I'm like, I've ne- I don't use lineup generators. I, you know, I've yeah. just never been the guy who does that. And now all of a sudden, you know, my tech team's like, come on. Take a look at this. You got to love this. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I'll take a look at it. (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, it's consistency report. You know, I look at things like snap counts. I mean, I think that that's important, but, you know, it depends on what the stat is. What's the um, pass blocking percentage, like something like that, I'll look at in the realm of, you know, okay, so which tight end? It's two tight end system here. 
which guy's seeing you know the the most snaps all right is he seeing the most snaps because he's the pass catcher or does he have a really good pass blocking percentage and that's you know you know like that's the that's the higby gerald everett debate that's going right, on right yeah. now right where it's like you know if you guys look actually higby's a little bit better of a blocker than gerald everett and that could be gerald everett's a little bit faster and he's less clunky than uh than higby so that's actually that's you know something like that so i mean those are the tools i mean it's it's a variety of stuff just over at at fantasy alarm but again it's it's what you're catching while watching absolutely and and last question before we dig into our sleepers our feature segment here is are there any other analysts that whether they're under the radar or some established big names that you just kind of consider wolves that you like to to follow and, res- and you respect and, and listen to their advice at times um, I mean, yeah, you know, I look at it, it's kind of funny. I mean, I'll definitely promote the, the fantasy alarm team. I mean, Adam Ronis is one of the best fantasy players in, in the industry, you know, and when mm-hmm. he joined fantasy alarm, it was, you know, to me, it was a huge coup for us, but you know, him and Jen Piacenti, John and Pemba, uh, Andrew, Andrew Cooper, who's actually an up and comer. Um, he's, he's definitely worth a follow. He's, a uh, like he's that dude analyzes stuff. He's doing stuff for the Scott Fishbowl, um, you know, analyzing tight ends. And I mean, he's that's something really good. I um, I'm a huge fan of Jeff Manns. He and I used to work together. He was at Fantasy Alarm. He's actually the guy who brought me to Fantasy Alarm, and now he's over at um, you know, Fantasy Guru now. Um, you know, he's a guy who I was much more of a you know known for for baseball than for football. And I guess when I, when I met Jeff the first time, we actually like sat down talking about analyzing and breaking down football uh, because I never played the game as a kid. I was, you know, my, my mom would sign that permission slip. <laughs> so he actually played the game and, and loved to break it down. So, you know, he, he showed me a variety of ways to, to break down football data. And, you know, so, I mean, he and I, it's kind of funny now we're, you know, quote unquote rivals. But, you know, I mean, we're friends which is, you know, something that a lot of people just don't really understand that, you know, just because he went to a different site doesn't mean we don't like each other. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's a guy who's a pa- whose opinion I definitely respect. I definitely, uh, you know, I listen to him on the on the SiriusXM channel as well. We talk on a regular basis. So, you know, we're very like-minded there. If you're looking for more unheralded, Justin Mason, like I said, he's a great dude. Uh, the folks over at Fighting Chance Fantasy – a uh, really good group of guys. Gary Haddo, who uh, who actually won the Scott Fishbowl uh, yeah. last year. He's over there. Um, and then there's a group of guys from – it's called the, the Undroppables. Um, there's a, a, just a variety of guys who are there um, who just, you know, a couple of guys break down data amazingly. Uh, Fantasy FB Stoner on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know, he's out here in California with me, so – you know, we, we share multiple loves. Yeah, so. yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> hey, us and Mass don't hate that stuff either, my man. <laughs> I Recently know, I legalized. Know. Love it. <laughs> it's coming one day as soon as the government can figure out how to get their, their finger into that pie. They're all exactly. over it, the state. It's a big pie. They're being idiots with it. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for some, some great recommendations for our listeners to make sure you check all those names out. Let's dig into the sleepers, the guys that are underpriced, the guys going too late that is not represented the upside they have in the price that they are going for. We'll give you one each per position because we don't want to give away everything because, again, you got to make sure you check out the draft guide over at Fantasy Alarm on 50% off sale right now. So be sure to run over there, check that out. But Howard is going to be nice enough to share at least one with you per position, and I'll give you a, a person that I love love as well so let's start with quarterbacks right at the top here you have one of your guys listed as daniel jones i think it's a fantastic pick what is your case for daniel jones as a nice sleeper for 2020 you know a lot of people sit there you can you can crap on jason garrett all you want but you know that offense in dallas i mean that was that was strong offense i mean it was defense was was always their issue the injuries on defense um they were just a sieve and they couldn't get it together so mm-hmm. Jason Garrett coming over now working with, um, you know, I mean, going from working with Dak Prescott and, you know, and, and you know, the, 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 the team before that, you know, why am I playing? Tony Romo? Romo? Yeah, Romo? Oh, yeah. Tony Romo. Right. Um, 
you know, so he's got that experience to work with a quarterback. Daniel Jones' biggest problem last year was obviously the turnovers. I mean, if we could just, you know, Friday night lights him and just duct tape a football to his hands uh, and make sure that he doesn't do that, then I think, I mean, listen, it's it's a it might be a little bit of a vanilla offense, but he's got great targets in, in Tate Shepard, Darius Slayton. He's got Evan Engram. He's got Saquon Barkley. And let's face it, if you love most of those guys and based on ADP numbers, a lot of people do. Well, who's getting him the ball? It's got to be Daniel Jones. Not to mention the fact the defense is terrible. Terrible. Mm. So they're going to be in pass mode, catch-up mode on a regular basis, and he's definitely going to air it out uh, a fair amount. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it, and he's he's dropping in drafts left and right. 100%. I, I think it's a fantastic pick. Speaking of Garrett, the last time he was – Colin plays over there in Dallas. I mean, Romo, who knows if Daniel Jones will end up being as good of a talent as him, but he never finished outside the top 10 QBs as a, a fantasy under Jason Garrett. QB2, QB6, twice in a row, 10, 8, 8. So, I mean, this guy always put up 20 or more fantasy points per game, or 19 was the only time he wasn't. So, he was always thriving. Plus, Danny Jones, last year we saw the ceiling. I mean, only Lamar Jackson had more 30-point games than Daniel Jones last year. And this guy's going as quarterback 15, 16 falling. I mean, we know the ceiling's there. If it can steady out, as you mentioned, with some turnover reduction and his value balances out, at his price, he could be an absolute steal. So I'm with you there. I love the Daniel Jones pick. One guy that I also want to add as a quarterback sleeper, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, this guy was the quarterback too in fantasy games that in terms of points for the games that he started the full time. He averaged 27.2. Only Lamar Jackson had more of them. He was on pace for 41 total TDs, including six rushing. Uh, 41.57 yards on the air. I mean, this guy was killing it. There's obviously the arguments, you know, oh, well, they're due for regression. They scored on over 75% of their plays in the red zone. That's not going to happen. I get that. But they also only threw the ball 450 times. I mean, that that's clearly could also regress too into the positive sense and, and have more pass attempts. So yeah, maybe the scoring gets cut back, the rate of scoring. But if those pass attempts come up a little bit too, for a guy that thrived last year, uh, once he finally got the starting gig, it's ugly after all those Dolphin years. But I think that might have been more of a product of Gase. Do you think Danny? Uh, I mean, do you think Ryan Tannehill? What do you What do you think of him? Do you have any upside actually, with Tannehill? Listen, last year, I was championing Ryan Tannehill for MVP. I mean, I was like, everybody's <laughs> like Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. I'm like, look at what's gone on in Tennessee. Look at the games they've won since they made that move to Tannehill. So I, I like him. I'm, I'm actually, I am a fan. Uh, you know, having that kind of a ground game and having a bulldog like Derrick Henry, Ooh. it just takes so much pressure off the quarterback. You know, down in, in Miami, I mean, you want to talk about how many coaching changes did Tannehill go through? How, I mean, this dude literally had to learn, uh, I think it was like five straight years, he had to learn a brand new offense. So, I mean, how, how do you get any kind of consistency you know, in that realm, he so he comes to Tennessee. He's sitting as the backup. Uh, it's just it was a it was a scheme that was just it was very run centric, which took the pressure off of him. I mean, I wish that they gave him more targets. Like I, you know, AJ Brown, I love him, love him. Jonu yeah. Smith, I'm definitely in if you're looking for a late round tight end. Oh yeah, uh, but I mean, Corey Davis, I, I Corey Davis. Here's one of those guys. Who, oh, he's so great in college. Oh my God, he was gonna be, he's gonna be a monster in the NFL. <laughs> no, he's he was he's atrocious in the NFL right now. So I mean, I wish they gave him you know another target there to to throw to. True. Who knows? Maybe Humphreys or. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know who's on that depth chart anymore. If there's like nobody, uh, you're right. <laughs> keep down. But yeah, dude. I listen. I'll grab. I'll gra happily grab Tannehill as a QB two uh, in a league where I need the backup or in best ball. No, no doubt. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's kind of the strategy that I always end up finding myself taking is loading up on. I mean, Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill pairing. You sign me up all day. I'll take him rounds twelve, thirteen punt you know that quarterback position especially only if it's you know a one QB obviously super flex things like that will change your strategy but ultimately there's just so much depth of the position load up on those running backs receivers early on um so you, because there's just those are two of you know I love Teddy Bridge I love Drew Locke Joe Burrow Gardner Minshew all guys going so late uh that you can 
absolutely feast upon as a sleeper in your draft. What about running back? I, I have you, you, you had Jordan Howard in your list, which I think is another great call. What do you like about this guy moving over to Miami this year? So Jordan Howard, poor Jordan Howard, right? This dude, he's 25 years old. Like people think that this dude is like, you know, pushing 30. He's 25 years old. He he just it didn't work out for him anymore in uh, in Chicago. Why? Because Matt Nagy wants a pass catching versatile running back. He comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. He wants to rotate in his backs. He wants guys to you know, do a lot of pass catching. Everything that we see in the Chiefs offense, Nagy who worked in that Chiefs offense wanted to to implement that. So you know Howard's got you know like big frying pans for hands. I mean it's just not he's just not a ball. He's not a pass catcher and. You know, totally miscast there. Then he goes to to the Eagles, where Doug Peterson is from that same coaching tree. That does the exact same thing with his running back. So Jordan Howard once again miscast there. Now he goes to Miami. Now it's Brian Flores. Now it's you know it's that Erhart Perkins system that you know that was running in New England for all those years. And Flores wants to pound the ball between the tackles. He needs. A strong ground game presence, especially once Tua comes in to you know to to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick. You want to have that ground game established. You want to make sure that play action is actually like people bite on play action because you do that. Now they brought in Brita. Fine, you know you're gonna have those pass catching moments there. But I mean, I really think that Miami and Flores just really wants to just grind it between the tackles. Um, so I see Jordan Howard as being a guy that everybody is overlooking and, uh, and, you know, and, and he's ends up being, you know, he, he like falls into like the, in the sixth round, unless everybody's going banana cakes for running backs, which a lot of drafts are, but I mean, he's fallen to the fifth, sixth round. So you already have like two running backs and two wide receivers in your first four picks and you're balling already. So now Jordan Howard becomes your flex play. He's gonna, he could end up being better than your RB1 or 2. Absolutely. And they, they improved the defense as well. They improved the line. I mean, if they had made no line movements, I'd probably would have want no interest in anyone behind there. But they really made it a focus. Not a guarantee to translate. But I, I, everything they've built there suggests we want to grind out these wins, as you said. So I'm all about it. Even Chan Gailey, their new offensive coordinator, tons of fantastic running back seasons under him. Fred Jackson was on pace for almost 2,200 total yards and 10 TDs. Before he got hurt one year, C.J. Spiller was a thing. Chris Ivory led the AFC in rushing in Chan Gailey's system. Uh, I mean, even Matt Forte at age like 32 had a great season under him. So, I mean, there's a history with the coordinator. There's an offense that seems just built to grind it out and let the defense that should be improved do its thing. So, I love it. At at the price tag, I'm fully with you. All the reports suggesting he's going to clearly be the goal linebacker. And why wouldn't he? He's an absolute bull, an absolute tackle breaker. So, I love the call. I think Jordan Howard is a fantastic sleeper and that doesn't mean you can't take Breida either take them both and if Breida takes over the role then so be it because they're both going so cheap why not invest in the backfield that that could really take off a running back I like that's going really really like we're talking about deep deep sleepers now is Antonio Gibson a, a really intriguing talent here I mean Four, 229, 439 speed, clearly one of the most athletic at RBs in the league just right off the bat because of that profile. So, and as you said, doesn't guarantee he's going to succeed because he was a great college athlete. Hell, he didn't even have that many touches in college, but the team drafts him and, and it's a little bit congested of a situation. You got Darius Geis, who I do like, but can just never stay on the field. Adrian Peterson's, what, 70 years old at this point. And then, you know, there's really no one else to compete with. And the thing I I really love is their new coordinator, Scott Turner, based on that Norv Turner system, his dad, where they just pepper running backs. Obviously, we've seen Christian McCaffrey. He's a transcendental talent. Like He's going to get peppered no matter what. But this goes back to Lamont Jordan and Chris Ogbenaya in Cleveland. I mean, this guy has always peppered his running backs. So if Gibson does become, and as a college receiver, it seems like a natural tradition 
you know, transition here to be that kind of joker, move around guy that he could just pepper out of the backfield, move into the slot, go all over the place. This guy is a freak athlete on a team that that likes to pepper the running back on a team that should improve in year two under Dwayne Haskins and certainly run more plays. I mean, 55 plays per game last year was like the fourth worst in the last 20 years that has to get better this year. So I like a lot when you're going that late, you know, rounds 12, 13, I like to bet on the upside of the talent, the athleticism, and the potential role that seems made for him. Why would you go out and target this guy when you have so many running backs already without a role kind of in mind for him? I don't know. A lot seems to line up for him. Do you think the Gibson call could pan out for me? <laughs> I actually really do like the Gibson call. I like the versatility, and you said it best. You know, you're talking about a kid also who you want to put Darius Geis on the field. Sure, put Antonio Gibson in the slot. Let him, yeah. you know, let him run a quick slant pattern. Get that kid running out in space. I mean, we've seen what he can do. He's got the quickness. He's got the elusiveness. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you know he's he's. It's better getting him out in space because let and let his speed play as opposed to worrying about him breaking a bunch of tackles. But I think I mean he's got the potential of getting into the next level of the defense and really just doing some damage and and just carving out some work. Um, I would love to see it. Listen, I'm I'm not sold on Darius Geis. Uh, I think you're wrong about Adrian Peterson, though. I believe he's actually 86 years old. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, I mean, like, what's what's up with that? I mean, you know, Peyton Barber they brought in. That's like, Ugh, you know, Peyton Barber. He's like master of the three yards per carry average. Yes. So, you know, J.D. McKissick, like none of these guys. So, I think it's the table Nothing. is definitely set, especially with getting rid of Chris Thompson. Uh, I think the table exactly. is definitely set for Gibson to take that next step forward. I hope so. Well, we shall see. At wide receiver, you list another. Again, I, I picked out from your list, and I really liked almost the entire list. Like, we could have gone through the whole thing, but I didn't want to give it all away. But <laughs> I, I tried to pick the names that I really gravitated towards. I also love your Anthony Miller call at wide receiver as a sleeper. I think he is significantly undervalued. What is your case for him uh, it blowing up this year? I think year three now for him. What do you like about Anthony Miller as a sleeper? Yeah, just look at what happened with him last year. I mean, it was shoulder surgery in the offseason. He spent the first few weeks of the season kind of nursing himself back to health. And then he started, you know, he had a couple of games where it was like, ooh, hey, look, Anthony Miller. Then Taylor Gabriel got a concussion. And then it was like, ooh, look, Anthony Miller. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just a good, solid red zone target. Um, He's got good hands. Good route runner. It's really it's him and Allen Robinson now. There really aren't any other targets there. I mean, what are they, we're talking about like uh, you know Ted Ginn, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, I mean, they brought in they they, they brought Cole Komet, but I mean that's that's not you know that's not something that's going to impact for me. So I think there's just there's a heavy target share ahead for him. We've seen him produce. We know that he's got a good vertical game too. So seeing him inside the red zone, and then the piece de resistance, it's going to be Nick Foles under center. It's not going to be Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> and that already like improves all sorts of numbers. A hundred percent. All the narratives last year were when Nick Foles takes over D.D. Westbrook out of the slot because Nick Foles loves his slot receivers. Well, where's Anthony Miller play the most? The slot. So why aren't those narratives popping up more often that Nick, Nick Foles is about to pepper this guy as a slot receiver? And you mentioned once Taylor Gabriel was down, this guy lit it up. He had, he had two weeks uh, as wide receiver one, uh, numbers 23, 26.6. He was actually the wide receiver eight for a nice solid span well. Taylor Gabriel was out in fantasy. So, I mean, there is definitely, he's proven he could be that anchor, uh, that that nice number two. You're, you're feasting on the second corners as Allen Robinson draws the most. I think it's definitely, especially with the quarterback upgrade, a guy that is going severely under the radar right now uh, and, and year three breakout potential. We might not have ever seen the best of him quite yet because he's never really truly been fully healthy. So I'm really excited about him. I think there's a ton of intriguing wide receiver sleepers this year. It's probably the deepest uh, position yeah. of them all, which is why I kind of like hammering running back early. I'll, hell, I'll go running back, running back, running back, and then just stock up on a ton of wide receivers. So some names I love our Golden Tate, Deshaun Jackson, McCole Hardman, especially in that Chiefs offense, Preston Williams. Uh, but the guy I want to highlight is Curtis Samuel as a sleeper here in, because he's kind of that 
post-hype sleeper. Everybody wanted him last year. He was all the rage, the off-season MVP. The, the, the papers were calling him light years ahead of where he was last year. Impossible to cover. The hype was out of control. And we always have those guys that the, the hype train just kind of misses the station and doesn't actually land. And that was the case. But did it land because of Samuel or more so because of the, the quarterback he was dealing with? Kyle Allen, all the statistics say this guy had one of the worst catchable ball <laughs> rates for Curtis Samuel. And you just have to, as you said, you don't need stats to prove. You put on one Panthers game and you watch the ball just sailing over his head or falling short because Kyle Allen just absolutely blew. There's no uh, no stats you need to tell me that. So I, I think this year when you when you get Joe Brady, this new <laughs> offensive coordinator coming in, uh, and he's all about putting his speed in space. I feel like we haven't seen Curtis Samuel really used properly. He's so dangerous after the catch. He's really in that like top 10, 12, just speed in space type of guys, and that's what this offense is going to be predicated upon. So I love DJ Moore. He's my guy, but if I can get you know a, a, the cheaper version of this offense that I think is really going to explode, Teddy Bridgewater can certainly deliver the mail. Maybe not a world beater by any means, but definitely a humongous step above Kyle Allen. So I think we have not yet seen the, the best of Curtis Samuel. I know Robbie Anderson's there, but to me that's kind of more to lift that lid and let DJ Moore and let Curtis Samuel kind of do that damage as well as go deep too. I mean, this guy is so explosive downfield. He can also catch the deep ball. So there's a lot to me to love for a guy that's going often undrafted in, in some mock drafts I've done. I don't know. G- G- will you double down on Curtis Samuel? Or are you kind of like burned and, and I'm done? <laughs> no, I'm actually, I, I kind of dig Samuel as well. I mean, I don't know what we can really expect here. It's going to be very tough to see, you know, what Brady and uh, and Matt Rule do with this offense. What, uh, you know, what, what we're looking at here as far as Teddy Bridgewater under center. I know, listen, he, he looked great with the Saints. They didn't miss a beat last year. Um, what I love about Samuel, though, is that, yeah, we're going to put him in the slot, let Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore take the outside. The slot is where he definitely thrives. He can definitely go with a quick slant over the middle. He can definitely take it a little deeper than that as well. Um, and like you said, get him running, you know, out in space. Yards after the catch um, are going to be huge. So I think if they can be if they can be creative in this offense and and really just you know, be dynamic because you've got dynamic receivers. Robbie Anderson can take it downfield and stretch out that defense. DJ Moore has a million different beautiful qualities that you love about a receiver who can get that necessary separation. That that alone right there tells me that you're going to free up Samuel, who, I mean, I'm sorry, but you give me a slot corner or a linebacker trying to cover that kind of speed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All day, absolutely. <laughs> Eat it up. Four, three, four wheels are going to. <laughs> Hell yeah, 100%. And your, your tight end pick is is absolutely, if you, if you hadn't picked him, I would have picked him myself. Is you can hurts. have him. You know what? He's boring <laughs> at this point. Everybody wants him. Everybody I know. wants him. But for good reason, Hayden Hurst. Why, why, do you, why does everybody, including yourself, want Hayden Hurst this year? Well, you know, everybody likes Hayden Hurst because, I mean, listen, he's, he's, uh, you know that that offense that they run in in Atlanta. I mean, all the targets basically that that Austin Hooper had, uh, the red zone looks. I think that you know, it's it's actually a really good transition to go to Hayden Hurst. He's actually he's a little faster than Hooper. He's not as mm-hmm. as big and bulky, but you know, I think they'll be able to do different things with him. And I just I, I really I'm a huge fan of his. But that's not the one I want to give you. I'm give you a new one. Oh, okay. I gotta give you a new one here. Let's so that's like bonus bonus pick here for Hayden Hurst. Um, if you're going mid tier tight end, get yourself Hunter Henry. Okay. Don't let's be hear afraid him. of Hunter Henry. Forget about the injury. Don't worry about that. He is good to go. He's a hundred percent. I'll tell you what I love about him. The offense that they're implementing in in Los Angeles right now. Um, you know, they fired Ken Ken uh, Wisenhunt last year. Um, and what Anthony Lynn and uh uh, what's his name? Steicher. I can't. I don't even know the proper pronunciation. Steicher, Steichner, whatever. The <laughs> offensive coordinator over there. But I was looking at at some interviews with with these guys, and um, you know, and reading some stuff. And what they want to do is they want to basically they want to copycat offense with the Ravens. Mm. You know, they want they're going to do more pistol formation. 
They're going to, you know, a lot more uh, zone options, a lot more RPO work that they're going to do. They want to tailor this for Tyrod Taylor and eventually Justin Herbert. Um, so you're looking at the way that they're setting things up over there and then look at the look at the receiving targets. You've got Keenan Allen and you've got uh, Mike Williams. All right. So similar to, to Baltimore as well. You're, you don't really have you don't have you had what Marquise Hollywood Brown and then. Where were you going with, you know, the other wide receiver over there? Was it Willie Sneed? Who was it? Right. I think that if they're gonna if they're actually gonna copycat this offense, that to me, Hunter Henry is a guy who I think is gonna is is most likely to be that next Mark Andrews. Uh, it very intriguing if he does become that Andrews style role. I mean, obviously with the breakout tight end of last year. So Hunter Henry I saw a stat too today, it's something about how he leads since 2016, you know, all tight ends in terms of passer rating from this quarterback whenever he's targeted. So the talent is certainly there. We just need to see him stay healthy because, man, I do love him. He, he's such a touchdown monster, that big body. He uses it well. So that would be really intriguing. I mean, I, I love the Hayden Hurst call as well. We saw Dirk Cutter. He loves to use those tight ends over sure. in Atlanta. Uh, Austin Hooper was the tight end one above Kelsey, above Kittle, uh, until he got hurt in Week 10. He was the number one scoring guy. That's how good he was. And as you said, this is a more athletic guy. And Hayden Hurst doesn't mean he'll necessarily reciprocate those numbers, but I I don't know. I I love that. I think a lot of people, it's so unsexy. Nobody wants this guy. You're never going to get the oohs and the ahs if you draft Jack Doyle. But, I mean, with Eric Ebron gone, this Frank Reich scheme has loved ever since working with Antonio Gates, Zach Ertz, who just last year, I mean, he peppers them at the third, fifth, fourth, and second most percentage Frank Reich's offenses have peppered the tight end. And now you remove the biggest thorn, especially in terms of the red zone, with Eric Ebron. Yeah, they bring in Trey Burton, but... Who gives a shit? It's Trey Burton. Like, whatever. Yeah, get get out of here with that. Like, that means nothing to me. Uh, Jack Doyle is going to inherit a big share of targets. I get Michael Pittman's now there, so that's a little bit more competition along with T.Y. Hilton. But I just think this offense is built around peppering the tight end, especially in the red zone. And Doyle is unsexy as it is. Austin Hooper wasn't sexy last year, and as we said, was the number one tight end till he went down. So I don't know. Big fan of Jack Doyle in the upside. I just like, and you mentioned Jonu Smith earlier. There's just a lot of tight ends this year, whereas that seems to never be the case. So this might be that one year where you can actually wait on the position and still find some real value. Do you do you agree with Doyle, or, or are you kind of like? Eh, I do. Well, you hit the nail right on the head when you're ta- talking about the fact that there's more depth at the tight end position now than there has. Yeah. been in the past i mean jack doyle in, in the tonight's best ball 10 teamer went in the 15th round uh oh. going around guys like dallas goddard mike gasicki jared cook i mean these all are of those all those guys like, great <laughs> right so jared you've, got cook. Your top, you've got your top five okay your kelsey your kittle andrews Ertz, waller that's fine then that next level you've got henry and evan engram uh, you know, people are going after Gronk, t- t- you know, Hayden Hurst. People think TJ Hawkinson's going to be somebody. I-, I don't necessarily know about that, but nah, there's plenty of depth so that, yeah, you know, Austin Hooper, he's falling late. Um, so I, I definitely think that there's a enough tight end to go around that, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, oohing and on over the top five, but I'm like, you know what? Screw it, man. Give me mid tier. Let me take Hunter Henry there. Uh, let me take Hayden Hurst there. And, yeah, if I want to go later on that, then Jack Doyle, Jonu Smith, there's nothing wrong with these guys. How about Irv Smith from Minnesota? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, they're going to start using Kyle Rudolph as more of a blocking tight end, hopefully, mm. and uh, and free up Irv. Free Irv Smith. Come on. Free him. Love Irv Smith, too. What an athletic freak. Absolutely. I mean, the position is completely loaded. No offense, Eric. We could just keep going, and that's just not something you can usually do at tight end. So I love it. I love all the, the sleepers we have. And again, make sure you check out the Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide for more of Howard's sleepers. We'll be releasing our own investing sleepers. We call them our penny stocks over at the Roto Street Journal uh, later on around early August. But be sure to check out the Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide to get the full list of Howard's sleepers. To wrap things up, we are going to run you 
you through the no huddle offense where we give you the the quick hit. If you if you want to give us a react, you know, some analysis, you're welcome to, but really just quick hit who comes to mind when I ask you the question. You good for it? <laughs> I'm good for it. I talk plenty so I can shut up and just give you names. All righty, let's fly through then. After Christian McCaffrey, the number 2 player in fantasy should be Saquon Barkley. I got to change this question. Everybody says that one. No more fun. After <laughs> after McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, the number three pick should be... Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The top three is pretty locked in. I'll find something more, more provocative than that one. But this one might get you. The next Dalvin Cook or round two running back who's going top five in 2021 will be... Josh Jacobs. Ooh, I like it. What is the next Chris Godwin or round four to five wide receiver who explodes into the elite? Calvin Ridley. Ooh, 2020's Mark Andrews, your breakout tight end. Hunter Henry! <laughs> we just talked about it. Most hated NFL player, but it's for fantasy-specific reasons. A.J. Green. <laughs> if there was somehow another Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, it would be? Kyler Murray. Which early rounder, first or second, is going to bust the hardest? Miles Sanders. Who gained the most fantasy value in this 2020 offseason? It's a tie between Kenyon Drake and Joe Mixon. Conversely, who do you think lost the most value? Le'Veon Bell. I won't leave rounds five to six without drafting... Marvin Jones, baby! I love that call. Not enough people talking about Marvin Jones. That's fantastic. (laughs) Have you ever played the board game Settlers of Catan? No. Nobody has said yes yet. Ah, oh, I'm going to get somebody one of these days. The next, you got, you got to play it. Great game. Great game. The next sophomore wide receiver after or even before A.J. Brown should be? D.K. Metcalf. Target hogs or workhorse backs? Workhorse backs every yes, time. Yes, absolutely. Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Austin Eckler, all were top five running backs that went after round seven. In 2020, that'll be? that's a tough one that's a tough one because after round seven the the slim slim pickings there i'll throw aj dillon out Ooh, what are your ideal league settings oh 12 team ppr uh give me a, a quarterback two running backs three wide receivers one flex i don't mind the kicker in the defense there but if you're gonna get rid of one get rid of kickers and throw an extra flex in there after Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, owners should draft blanket wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins, baby. Come on. <laughs> the most important coaching move this offseason was blank for whose value? Ooh, I'm going to say Kevin Stefanski slash Alex Van Pelt for Baker Mayfield slash OBJ's value. Mm. Do running backs matter? <laughs> very, very much so. and what is the funniest last place punishment or side bet that you've either witnessed or had to be a part of oh come on last year's fantasy football pie bet from fantasy alarm (laughs) we had that was amazing man not only do we raise five grand for charity but i mean to sit there and watch people like you know posting videos of like their kids pieing him in the face husbands and wives mm-hmm. dual pieing like i mean we just we started a, 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 a just a, a crazy run there um and i mean that was just that was amazing you can probably still see it all at ffpiebet.com oh so even a website dedicated to it ffpiebet we did it was amazing how did you not get involved in that last <laughs> i got year? it this year are you guys going to bring it back for this year I'm still looking for the next big gag, but uh, we might have to. A lot I like of people it. like the pie bet. I love the pie bet. Absolutely. I, I remember hearing about that. I got to get involved next time. Absolutely. And we'll wrap up here with the boldest 2020 fantasy prediction you got, and then just remind our listeners where they can connect you and find your work. All right. Uh, boldest, uh, give me Jordan Howard 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. Ooh. Nice. I mean that's it's, it's that's a little on the uh, on the super spicy side, but you said you wanted bold, so I'll give you something so bold that you want to baste ribs in it. So there you go. <laughs> I'll get the rack out. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody can find me all over fantasyalarm.com. You can follow me on Twitter at rotobuzzguy. Uh, you can find my work in the New York Post. You can find me all over the live streaming. Uh, universe there. If you just go to uh, Fantasy Alarms 
uh, YouTube page. So all that and maybe more. I don't even know anymore. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> He's all I'm over accessible. the place. You can find Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Well, Howard, this was an absolute pleasure. I'm real glad our listeners, our, our the common fans, were able to bring us together. It was so good to connect with you and speak. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, another shout out to Scotty Brooks for bringing us together, man. Absolute <laughs> pleasure, man. Looking forward to talking more football with you this season. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your night, man. Thanks again. Congrats on being one step closer to those 2020 titles. Be sure to check out ffbdpod.com for show notes from this and any other episode. And if you haven't already, it would mean the world to hear your thoughts and the reviews and to share it out with friends that you're not going to face in fantasy leagues this year. Thanks again, Wolfpack. Until next time, Wolf is out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause, oh, 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 and wave out to the crowd, and take our final bow, oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, 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 at least we stole the show. Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.